Section 3, Chapter 6 and 7 of Elementary Theosophy by L. W. Rogers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mechanism of Consciousness The soul is a center of consciousness within the all-consciousness, or the life of the solar logos, an individualized portion of the universal mind, that fragment of the divine life, with its latent godlike attributes, is expressed through a mechanism of consciousness that is formed of the matter of the various planes. Naturally enough, it is expressed more fully on the higher planes than upon the lower. At a very high level, it is known as the monad. When it reaches down into the higher subdivisions of the mental world, it is the ego, a lesser expression of the same divine life that pours from the logos through the monad lesser because it is then functioning through the denser matter of a lower level. The knowledge that has been gained about the nature of matter in recent years is helpful in understanding the activities of consciousness. The atom is found to be a center of force, and we are at the point where matter, as we have known it, disappears. All the force and consciousness of the solar system is, of course, but the life of the Logos, and on higher planes the distinctions we observe here fade out. Matter becomes a very different thing from the matter we know. The ether of the physical world is almost inconceivably tenuous matter, yet it is gross when compared to the lowest grade of astral matter. The matter of the mental world is enormously rarer than the most tenuous matter of the astral world. In view of these facts, it requires no stress of the imagination to understand that the matter of the higher plane is responsive to the vibrations of consciousness. The outrain energies of the individualized center of consciousness act upon the matter of the plane and draw about it a film that slowly grows into a vehicle through which consciousness can be more fully expressed and which serves as a point of vantage from which its expression can be extended to lower planes. The seven subdivisions of the mental world fall naturally into two groups composed of the three higher and the four lower grades of matter. The ego, anchored in the matter of the two planes above the mental world, descends to the upper levels of the mental, and the vesture of matter with which it clothes itself is known as the causal body, sending its energies downward or outward to the lower levels of the mental world, it establishes itself there in what slowly becomes a mental body. Again in the astral world, the process is repeated and a vehicle of consciousness is formed of astral matter. The physical body is the lowest and last of the vehicles to be formed, and as it is slowly built, in the months preceding birth, the matter it contains falls into place under the operation of occult laws, which permit no element of chance to enter into its construction. Each of these bodies serves as a vehicle of consciousness on the plane to which it belongs. The soul is evolving simultaneously in each of the worlds, physical, astral, and mental and these various bodies enable it to receive the vibrations of the plane they belong to, and thus be conscious there. The mental body is the seat of intellectual activity. Thought arises as a vibration in it and passes through the astral body into the physical brain. Whenever we think we are using the mental body, the astral body is the seat of emotion. With it we feel. All emotion passes from it to the physical body to be expressed in the material world. The astral world is also called the emotional world, as the mental plane is called the mental world. 
the physical body is the soul's instrument of action it attaches it to the physical world enables the consciousness to contact material objects and to move and express on the material plane the thoughts and emotions generated in the mental and astral bodies another part of the mechanism of consciousness is known as the etheric double but it is only a link in the chain and not a body through which the soul can function it is composed of the etheric matter of the physical world and connects the astral body with the physical body as every atom of physical matter is surrounded and permeated by etheric matter it follows that the physical body has its duplicate in etheric matter etheric double is a very appropriate name since it is a perfect duplicate of the physical body in etheric matter it serves the purpose of supplying the life force to the nervous system and is the medium through which sensation is conveyed the action of an anesthetic drives out so much of the matter of the etheric double that the connection is broken and sensation in the physical body ceases one of the difficulties in the way of getting a clear conception of the constitution of man and realizing that he is a soul functioning through various vehicles of consciousness is the materialistic modes of thought common to occidental civilization we are accustomed to thinking of the physical body itself as being the man and if there is any thought at all of the consciousness surviving the death of the body it is very vague and indefinite as to where it exists and how it is expressed very little thinking should be necessary to show the absurdity of the belief that the body is the man two bodies may be alike as in the case of twins but the souls the real men may be absolutely unlike the real man is superphysical his intelligence or his stupidity his genial disposition or his moroseness his generosity or his selfishness are but the manifestations of himself through the body by which they are expressed the body itself is a mere aggregation of physical atoms as a planet is so organized that they constitute an instrument for a purpose the mass of matter constituting the body is a variable mass it may increase or diminish greatly but the man remains unchanged there is no permanent relationship between the man and the physical matter which he uses for his vehicle of consciousness according to the physiologists every atom of the body changes within a period of a few years the cells wear out break down and pass away to be replaced by new matter not a particle of the physical matter that was in our body seven years ago is there now and none that is there now will remain within seven years or less we shall have bodies composed of new matter as certainly as an infant's is of course such reconstruction of the body does not change its appearance it is built on the same lines it is as it would be with some very old cathedral as the centuries pass it must be slowly rebuilt the floors wear out and are relayed the roof serves its time and is replaced the walls crumble first in one place and then another until they have been completely reconstructed after a thousand years has passed there may be none of the original material in the building yet its appearance is unchanged the bodies we have today shall have passed away and will be growing in the trees and blooming in the flowers in a few years the bodies we shall then have are now scattered through the world they will be brought together during that time and will come from many parts of the earth the physical senses continually deceive us and nowhere more than in our ideas about the physical body 
it is an unstable mass of matter in constant motion with great gulfs of space between its atoms emerson was very far ahead of his time and it took science a half a century to catch up with him and learn that he had recorded a fact in nature when he wrote atom from atom yawns as far as earth from moon or star from star in nineteen o eight the scientific american supplement commenting on our reconstructed ideas about matter remarked that the actual mass of the physical body to the apparent mass was about one to one million if the physical body is merely an organized mass of matter continually varying constantly coming and going and having no permanent relationship to the consciousness that functions through it what reason is there for believing that it is the man does it not seem strange that the center of consciousness should be able to draw about itself on the higher planes aggregations of matter and finally to express itself on the material plane through the mass of matter we call the body if that is mysterious quite as miraculous things are going on constantly about us unnoticed thoreau calls attention to the fact that we become so accustomed to the marvelous expressions of life all about us that we are oblivious to the phenomena that are taking place commenting on the magic possible to nature he says though i do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seed has been i have great faith in a seed to me equally mysterious origin for it convince me that you have a seed there and i am prepared to expect wonders in the spring of eighteen fifty seven i planted six seeds sent to me from the patent office and labeled them i think poitrine jungros large yellow squash two came up and one bore a squash which weighed one hundred and twenty three and a half pounds the other bore four weighing together one hundred and eighty six and one quarter pounds who would have believed that there was three hundred and ten pounds of poitrine jungros in that corner of my garden these seeds were the bait i used to catch it my ferrets which i sent into its burrow my brace of terriers which unearthed it other seeds i have which will find other things in that corner of my garden perfect alchemists i keep who can transmute substances without end and thus the corner of my garden is an inexhaustible treasure chest here you can dig not gold but the value which gold merely represents and there is no senior blitz about it yet farmers sons will stare by the hour to see a juggler draw ribbons from his throat though he tells them it is all deception surely men love darkness rather than light footnote the succession of forest trees thoreau and footnote a seed is a center of force through which life at a much lower level than the human flows and gathers about the center the material mass that serves the purpose of its lowly evolution at the human level consciousness has become self-consciousness and a marvelously complex mechanism is required to express it and serve the purpose of its farther evolution the complex mechanisms of consciousness composed of the various bodies through which the ego expresses itself at different levels is used as a whole for functioning on the physical plane but when the ego is functioning no farther down than the astral plane the physical body is of course temporarily discarded it is then in the condition known as sleep or trance sleep is the natural drawing of the consciousness from the physical body when the separation occurs in the case of the medium it is called a trance the cause of the inert condition of the physical body is the same in both cases the withdrawal of the consciousness of the ego 
the physical body is then unoccupied but the consciousness maintains magnetic connection with it in death that tie is severed and the consciousness can return to the body no more instances in which the apparently dead are brought back to life are cases where the magnetic tie is not broken notwithstanding there is every appearance of death in form and feature the physical body has its exact duplicate in the astral body and in it we function in the astral world whenever the separation between the two occurs whether from sleep or death in sleep the consciousness expressing itself in the astral body in the astral world may be turned dreamily inward or it may be turned outward and be vividly aware of the life and activities of that world but there is small chance that any memory of it will come through into the physical consciousness upon awakening occasionally however it does occur and then it is usually remembered as a very vivid dream in illness and other abnormal conditions the connection between the physical and astral consciousness is much closer at a comparatively high point in evolution the two states of consciousness merge the man is then continually conscious and has full memory in the physical brain of all his activities in the astral world during the hours when the physical body was asleep consciousness is of course at its worst when expressed through the limitation of its lower vehicles any person whether brilliant or stupid will be much abler and keener on the astral plane than on the physical because in sleep and after death he has lost the limitations imposed by physical matter but the degree of restriction is variable and depends much upon the kind of matter of which the brain and body are composed for the physical atoms vary greatly and as they come and go in the passing years the body may either become purified and refined or it may grow grosser and coarser by careful attention to food and drink and by control of the emotions the limitations of physical matter may be lessened and a much higher and more efficient state of consciousness in the physical body can be attained death perhaps one of the reasons why death is so commonly associated with a feeling of fear is because we give so little thought to it most people seem never to think about the subject at all until death invades the home and threatens some member of the family then terror fills the mind and all but paralyzes the reasoning faculties such fear of death so widespread in occidental civilization is eloquent testimony to the materialism of our times it is doubt about the future that causes fear of death only when we have a scientific basis for the hope of immortality will the awful fear of death disappear it is feared because it seems like annihilation if people really believed in a heavenly existence beyond the physical life they could not possibly be filled with terror at the prospect of entering it if a man's religion has not given him a genuine confidence in a future life and made it as such of a reality to him as his life is it has failed to do what we have a right to demand of religion if it does not enable him to look upon the face of his dead without doubt or a fear there is something wrong either with his religion or with his comprehension of it what possible reason is there for fearing death a thing that is universal that comes to all cannot be pernicious to regard death as a disastrous thing would be an indictment of the sanity of nature death is merely the close of a particular cycle of experience it is the annihilation of nothing but the physical body 
in its aspect of an instrument of activity and a vehicle of the consciousness upon the physical plane the atoms of the body drawn together in the human form for temporary use are in death released from the cohesive force of a living organism and will return whence they came in reality there's no such thing as death unless it be strictly applied to the form regarded as a temporary vehicle of consciousness as for the consciousness there is no death there is life in a physical form and life out of it but no such thing as the death or cessation of the individual intelligence what we name death is but a change in the orderly evolution of life and it is only because the phenomenon is viewed from the physical plane that such a term can be applied to it from this plane it is death or departure but looked at from the astral world it is birth or arrival what we call birth is the beginning of the expression of the soul through a material body on the physical plane it is an arrival but from the astral viewpoint it is a departure and therefore as logically a death there as departure from a physical body is here so death and departure from one plane is simply birth or arrival upon another although it is not of course birth as we know it every process in nature has a part to play in evolution and therefore death is as necessary as life and as beneficial as birth death is the destroyer of the useless there is a time when each human being should die that is to say a time when the physical body has fulfilled its mission and completely accomplished the purpose for which it exists to continue life in a physical body beyond that point is to waste energy and lose time in the evolutionary journey under the action of what we call diseases the body becomes inefficient or through the gradual breaking down of old age the senses grow dim and uncertain the consciousness can no longer be keenly expressed through its impaired machine and it is decidedly to the advantage of the ego to withdraw from it the soul is in the position of an artisan obliged to work with broken and rusted tools good results are no longer possible it is then that death comes beneficently destroying the worn-out instrument and releasing the consciousness from its too often painful situation and permitting its escape into a field of unobstructed activity death is painless the breaking down of the body under the ravages of disease may cause pain but that belongs to the physical life not death distress may also be caused by groundless fear of death but the dying person who does not know that death is upon him has no terror and no pain and sinks quietly to sleep very little observation will convince one that the distress about a deathbed is invariably on the part of surviving friends not on the part of the dying those who are left behind remain within the limitations of the physical senses and they are therefore separated from the so-called dead man but he is not separated from them it is because of that separation that the terror of death exists for them but in that very fact is to be seen the great evolutionary value of death the separation it causes intensifies love as nothing else could do it is only when our friend is gone that we begin to appreciate his real value and comprehend how large a part he played in our existence a sudden silence gives the consciousness a keener realization of the sound that has just ceased so death by its contrast gives a vivid realistic touch to life 
we all know how enormously the heart qualities are quickened by the death of a close friend the whole nature is in some degree purified and spiritualized selfishness is decreased and compassion expands sympathy for others in distress is born and thus a decided evolutionary advance is made we have only to reflect upon the fact that separation without death produces the same effects in a minor key to realize the evolutionary value of death in constant association we grow careless and indifferent but in an absence of a month or two enables one to get a truer perspective of personal associations and thereafter life has new zest a child regards its mother with a certain degree of appreciation but a short absence enormously increases its appreciation all human beings come into closer and more sympathetic association after a period of separation and the completeness of the separation caused by death renders it peculiarly efficacious in the development of the spiritual side of one's nature it often requires death to turn attention away from the materialistic life frequently a family becomes completely absorbed in material success there is no thought at all given to the higher life wealth position power fame all the vanities of the world hold them firmly they become completely self-centered then suddenly death enters and breaks the family circle and the transient character of all they had been so strenuously striving for suddenly dawns upon them and attention is turned to the nobler things of life it is a well-known fact that great wars are accompanied or followed with widespread spiritual awakening and it is no doubt largely because the shadow of death has fallen on tens of thousands of households it has sometimes been asked by doubtful critics if it would not be an improvement on nature's plan if the sorrow caused by the death of our friends were softened by direct knowledge of their continued existence it is evidently the plan of nature to have the physical life and the astral life normally separated at our present level of evolution some of the reasons have already been discussed there are undoubtedly others that we are incapable of understanding and still others that we can readily comprehend if the higher joyous life of the astral world were open to our consciousness then concentration upon the duties of this life would be difficult if not impossible our life in the physical body may be compared to the tasks of children in school they have serious business before them in the acquiring of knowledge and the development of intellect they can best accomplish the work when completely isolated from other phases of life introduce into their workday consciousness the joy of a child's existence the circus the military parade the picnic and the dancing parties and the purpose for which the school exists would be defeated to exactly the extent that the consciousness is withdrawn from such things will desirable progress be made with the work of the schoolroom and so it is with the limitation of our physical senses it serves a purpose but there is a point in human evolution where such limitation of the senses is no longer of any service and may be transcended some people have attained it they are those who have previously been referred to as the psychic scientists with the higher clairvoyance of the cerebrospinal system developed it is an accomplishment to which all may aspire none need submit to the separation commonly caused by death 
by hard work in cooperating with nature's methods of evolution and by serious and sustained effort to live the highest and most helpful life of which one is capable it is possible in time to attain the level of consciousness where one has personal knowledge that the dead still live but in the very work of rising to that level the concentration previously enforced by the limitation of the physical senses will have been acquired one of the common delusions about death is that some radical change in the nature of a person then takes place this is no doubt due in part to the theological ideas that have come down to us from the time of the middle ages it is popularly supposed that at death one comes to some sort of judgment that classes him as either a saint qualified for eternal bliss or a fiend fit only for endless torture the belief is based on that erroneous view of human nature that was common to the melodrama of past generation and that will possibly have eternal life in the cheap novel it represented the hero as unqualifiedly good and the villain as absolutely bad the one had no flaw of character and the other had not a redeeming feature but human nature does not thus express itself the spark of divine life is in all notwithstanding it is sometimes darkly hidden on the other hand we find no perfected beings the perfect heroes were merely creations of an imperfect imagination at our halfway stage of evolution we find neither the absolutely good nor the hopelessly bad why should the change we call death transform a human being it is merely the loss of one part of the mechanism of consciousness the soul the thinker has lost connection with the physical world because the physical body has ceased to exist the mental body and the astral body remain and they enable him to think and feel but he cannot think more than he knows nor feel what he has not evolved all that has happened in death is that contact with the material world has been lost one of the misconceptions is that death brings great wisdom and we often hear people getting into communication with those who have passed on with the hope of obtaining valuable advice it is true that death ushers one into a realm of wider consciousness and that in the astral world we can see a little further ahead and take a few more things into consideration but and it is a vital point he would have no better judgment in determining a course of action than he had while here in the physical world both mentally and emotionally he is unchanged his grade of morality is neither better nor worse his tolerance or narrowness remains what it previously was if he was bigoted while here he is still bigoted there if he was the unevolved ignoramus here he remains precisely that in the astral world whether genius or fool saint or villain he remains unchanged and goes on with his evolutionary development but in a world where emotion is the determining factor death merely opens the door to a new and wider realm where the evolution of the soul proceeds it would be difficult to say which is the greater misfortune the delusions that make the death king of terrors or the complacent belief that if death does not end all it at least brings the soul to a judgment that ends all personal responsibility and settle one's fate forever death can no more lessen responsibility or transform the moral nature than sleep can change character or determine destiny the theosophical conception of death is as consoling as it is scientific instead of the fear of death it gives us knowledge of continued life instead of doubt and despair 
it gives us confidence and joy for it guarantees the companionship once more of those we have known and loved and erroneously supposed we have lost end of section three chapter six and seven